Okay, well, I'm here with uh, Doug Detweiler from DeRock Electric, or DeRock, how do you say it, Doug? DeRock. DeRock, okay. And uh, just welcome to the line. We're really glad that you're joining us on our podcast today, and just kind of want to talk about your origins, where you come from, where you are, what you're doing, and our goal here is to lift the view of the skilled trades. So, All right. really appreciate you being here with us. Thank so, you. Doug, uh, tell me a little bit about you know uh, you you're the president and CEO of of D Rock. Yep. Um, and how long have you guys been in business? We've been in business uh, 15 years. Okay. Going on 16. Okay. And uh, how's that been for you? It's been a uh, interesting ride. I yeah. can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we started out just Rock and I. Uh, my original goal was 10 people, uh, 10 of the best people you can surround yourself with. Yeah. And that's all I really wanted to do. I wanted to provide. Uh, it was never really about money. It was about independence. Yeah. I, want, I wanted to have uh, everybody get paid well to enjoy their jobs and, you know, do, that, do it well. And man, did it grow. Um, yeah. You know, we, we got there after, I don't know, two or three years. And I think uh, one of our business coaches said it best. He said, your customers will make you grow. And we had some real good customers and man, it just took off they, the demand, you know, yeah. well, they need this. So we need more electricians. <coughs> anyway, now we're where we are. Okay. And so, uh, what is your experience and how did you get started in this? Like, let, let's just kind of go back in time here a little bit and tell me about your first opportunity in the trades. Well, my father was in the trades, uh, with Miller electric out of York. Okay. And, uh, you know, so I was running shotgun with him early on weekends, holidays. Wow. My dad was a workaholic. He worked 80, 90 hours a week. It was insane. And, uh, my mother was going to college at the time, so my dad was kind of watching over me. And I just, you know, in the shop, I spent all all Saturdays, Sundays in the shop working, putting away material. Okay. Yeah. So you just, you got to handle uh, materials and things like that and really got to learn. You know, it's interesting. I remember when I started in the trade, uh, I got a job in high school. I think I just got my driver's license. And... Uh, Kind of funny, just down the street here is the company that I got my job with, uh, Garden Spot. And I remember uh, my first whole year working for them, I pretty much spent in the shop just, you know, breaking down materials, handling all the different things. And <clears throat> I really didn't, I didn't enjoy it so much. I wanted to get out on the job, but it was so essential for me to learn, you know, well, what is you know, a rigid 90, what, what is the different types of conduit? You know, I find it really interesting in the electrical trade. Um, you know, my business partner says that there's like 30,000 different parts that we deal with. And that's probably an underestimate actually. Um, you know, all the, all the different things that we work with. Uh, so I, I can relate to, you know, dealing with materials and, and handling things and, and processing them like that. So you did that with your dad for a while. Uh, and how did that look? Like, is that something where there was someone there showing you how to do it or you kind of had to figure it out? I figured it out. Um, back in the day, we had a bin for everything. I mean, everything. I'm talking, uh, you know, 
quarter quarter twenty one inch. Yeah, uh, bolts quarter twenty inch and a inch and a half. Everything, and it was a massive endeavor. But when you have individual bins, it's kind of easy because right. you know what goes in there. Right. Uh, so once a year, I would have to do an entire inventory. Oh my word! Which, bless your soul. Oh my god! I hated that. Oh. I did. But uh, I got through it many, many years, and uh, man, you learn your material. Yeah. But you know, early on, yeah, my dad would have me on jobs. You know, I remember some of the original medical facilities in the New York area, putting the underground in. I remember dad working on a backhoe, me running conduit, and and I was little dude. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't. I was ten, eleven, twelve. You know, back then there was no safety. I always tell these stories. We did a lot of church steeples, lighting them up. Yeah. And I'd be up way, way high, you know, (laughs) I don't know, five, six, seven stories of scaffold, which is only what, five feet. But uh, he'd tie tie me. I was a little guy, you know, and that's when they had wood planks. Oh, yeah. I'd be on the wood plank and he'd be like, you're going to hang out with me today. He'd tie a bull rope around my waist and say, don't fall off. (laughs) And that, that was our safety talk, you know. And uh, so it's got a lot different, you know. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I mean, now I have a dedicated safety committee within my company. Yeah. I'm working with the insurance companies on that all the time. Um, you know, we're, we're filling out for ABC and the IEC different safety uh, so would your dad have, would your dad have passed some of those uh, safety no. things? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Oh my! How old were you when when uh, this was going on? Like you know, when you started doing this stuff? I know this sounds crazy, but I know I wasn't much more than ten. Wow! You know, and I worked a lot for him until I got to be sixteen, and then I got a little wild hair, and yeah, we got separated for a little bit. But <laughs> started doing doing uh, some different things and figuring yeah. out where you wanted to go. Well, I, I wanted to be I, a, I wanted to be a rock star for a while. I was a percussionist. Really? I was in rock bands, and I sing pretty good, actually. But, uh, so. I, I find that uh, people who wanted to be rock stars to be uh, good opportunities. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you well, hear that, Kern? <laughs> I, I, uh, I worked a lot. So yeah. I, so I, I had a full-time job. I worked part-time. Then I drove dump truck and different things for my father. Okay. So I was burning a candle at both ends, and at one point... I launched a dump truck over a set of railroad tracks, and uh, when it came down, it ripped the whole exhaust off, and my dad fired me right there. He's like, "You're done, brother." <laughs> He's like, "You are not where you are burning a candle on both ends." So, um, I still wanted to be in the electrical trade. Really? Uh, yeah. So I put myself through the first year of a apprenticeship, and actually, I don't, if you know the area, Rick Ingalls, he just passed away. Oh, yeah. He was from Ingalls Falls, Ingles and, and he, Falls. he originally was with Barco after he left Miller. Okay. Uh, he taught me uh, a lot. I <coughs> uh, went to the York County uh, adult ed stuff. Okay. So uh, I went back to my father and said, hey, I really want to get in the trades. How and, old were you when you were doing this, when you were going uh, back to him? Maybe 18. Okay. You know. Okay. I'd been out on my own. I mean, I, I when I graduated high school, I was living on my own. Yeah. So I had an apartment in York. Okay. And I was 17. I was still a senior. Wow. Working like crazy, enjoying the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember that song from the 80s, working for the weekend. <laughs> but uh, he wouldn't hire me at first because uh, I was still having a, too good of a time. Yeah. 
And then uh, finally he did. But when he, when he offered me a job, he says, now's a good time to start, Doug. I said, all right, how much, uh, what are we paying? It was half of what I was making for my other employer, which was false craft pottery. And I'm like, what? You know? Wow. So, and I lost, a, I lost a lot of investment I had that I wasn't tenured or whatever you call that. And, um, so you were working in like a, a manufacturing facility. I was working in a manufacturing facility, making good money. Yeah. Uh, but then I went back to the trades. My dad would not honor my first year. He made me do it all over. So I took five years. Wow. There's not too many people that do five years of apprenticeship, but I did. I think your dad and my dad went to the he, same school. He was pretty hardcore, you know. <laughs> um, super proud of me now. He's still around. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so I, I, I got in the trade, uh, took a pay cut, major pay cut, um, and it all started there. So talk to me a little bit about I find that really interesting. So you worked in a manufacturing facility and made decent money back then. You took a pay cut to come back into the trades. Why would you do that? Why would the trades have that level of interest to you to take a pay cut like that? Well, first of all, I like building things. But I knew in my heart that if I would become an electrician, I was much more marketable and I was going to make more money. At the time, you know, you don't know you're going to own your own business. Yeah. Um, but I, I learned so much. I was talking to you before. Electricians need to understand plumbing. They need to understand HVAC. They need to understand framing. Yeah. And through all that, as a sidebar, I've built a bunch of houses by myself. I've ripped houses down. I've done all kinds of stuff on the side, you know, which has in, honestly increased my wealth. Yeah, I, I've been very fortunate. I've been able to buy low, sell high. Wow. Uh, I actually had one of the electricians, and he just retired from my company. Um, That's got to be a cool Teach feeling. me about real estate. You know? That's cool. And, and through all that, you, you get to know everybody, all, all kinds of construction situations. It's just super. I, I dig it. So you wouldn't say that you regret taking that pay cut way back when? No. Yeah. No, man. Falsecraft isn't even in business anymore. <laughs> I think I think that's one of the things that I just find really interesting is the importance of people looking beyond just where where they are at now. And sometimes investment and what you get paid is beyond what the paycheck is. Like you you learned all of that knowledge so that you could do this, this, and this, and then later in life you actually were able to be more successful. Yeah, so that's a good point. Um, I always feel as I hire people and as I hire apprentices, yeah, I almost feel like their father. My my dad was not a big "I'm going to give you the advice" type guy. I am. Well, I, he did. He told you not to fall off. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so when I hire a guy, I'm like, "Here's the deal, man. You got to stick it out. You gotta, you gotta, you know, yeah. stay the course." I, uh, that's one stay of my the favorite. Course. I like I think, that. I think President Bush used to stay the course. <laughs> You know, um, and what I mean by that is get through your apprenticeship just because, and we, DRock, is a construction company. We, we, build, we build stuff from the ground up. We go in, we do retrofits. That doesn't mean that's all you're going to do. Right. When you get through and you have your, your journeyman's card from the state of Pennsylvania, and then we really push you to get your master's because of theory. Yeah. We, we have... I, I, I bet you five bucks we have more masters in our company than a lot of 
larger companies do. Wow. Because we push it. We actually train from the inside yeah. to do the master's program uh, for your master's license. That said, I tell these guys, look, when you're through this, if you don't like working for us, and I hope you do, because we're, we're, we want a long-term hire, you can go anywhere, man. You can go into the hospitals. You can go into manufacturing. If you don't like the weather involved, if you don't like being in a ditch, man, I always love that. Me too. I love Me running too. a big underground service bank in, you know. That is my favorite thing as well. It's something about being in the dirt. I don't know about it, but yeah. it's, I like it. Yeah. And I don't get to do that much now as an owner. I sit behind yeah. the desk. Yeah. You know, but uh, honestly, it ain't as fun. Yeah. The, the most fun I have in my world right now, besides when I'm out in the water, yeah, is when I'm in the field working. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, there's so many areas you can take it. And then if you're driven, you can go into management. You can run people. You can... I mean, you, there's just no end to where you can take this. And then the, and I'm not even talking specialties. You know, so now you got your basic electric down. What about low voltage? What about fiber? What about Come fire on. alarm systems? What about uh, C CCTV systems? What about Come all on. that, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, you're just never done learning. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I find really interesting about uh, the electrical trade and, and just the trades in general that the sky is really the limit. There's really not... You know, you can go as far as you want to go. It's it's hard work. It's not something that um, if you don't like hard work, the trades, they're not for you. Um, but if you have the ability to put hard work in there, I mean, my goodness, like like you said, you just listed a handful of things and there's probably 15 or 20 oh, yeah. more. Um, and your options. And that's the cool thing about that. You guys invest in, in pushing them not only for their journeymen's but for, for investing in your people that they would be going after your masters. Mm -hmm. I mean, for anybody who's listening to this right now that is training as an apprentice or is, is becoming a journeyman, the importance of getting your masters, it increases your valuableness and your appeal to other companies. Because like you said, there, there are not a lot out there. There are not a large lot of companies that have them. And the best time to do it is when... Right, when, after, right you. after you do it. I mean, so that's yeah. pretty huge that you guys invest like that in your people. Um, so you, you, you made your transition. You got your job back with your dad. Um, and then some years go by and you decide to, to start your own business. And so now you're, you're going out on your own yep. and you start that. You guys have been around now 15 years. 15. 15 years. So tell me a little bit about what was it like to to start to to make that because it's one thing to be getting a paycheck from someone else and then to be the guy writing the paychecks okay so for me um uh, one of the reasons i chose my business partner rock his real name's rodney Forey. um we did it a, I, you know what i'm talking about some people that are in construction when i say side work you know yeah you'd work your normal job and then you go to somebody else who needs some electric done. You do that for yourself. You know? Right. And one thing I always undervalued myself, I do it for cheap, you know? Yeah. And we worked and worked and worked. And um, I was really pumping a lot of money on the side through, you know, my wife didn't even understand how much. Right. Uh, because I was so busy, it was hard to communicate with your wife. But, right. Um, it got to a point where I was. I don't know, early thirties. And I said, I, I got to make a change. 
So I decided to have a kid. Okay. And, uh, and then when I had him, my wife was working full time as a school teacher. I thought I can't do any more side work. Right. So I shut it down and that was hard, man. I got calls for years. Wow. So I shut side work down. But when my son became about six years old, I got the itch and I started taking bigger and bigger jobs. And finally I told rock, I said, listen, man, I'm, I'm pushing 40 now. I either got to, I either got to do this. And I always wanted to, I, I we tried to buy Miller electric. Okay. That didn't work out. Um, yeah. And then I, I actually tried to buy another residential electrical outfit and we grew that, you know, me and rock went in with, uh, that didn't work out. Yeah. And finally I'm like, you know what? You're going to laugh about this. I read a book that Donald Trump wrote called think big and kick ass. Think big and kick ass. So there, yeah. there you have it. A recommendation from yeah. Doug Detweiler. Uh, <laughs> think that, big and the, kick ass the, by the, Donald Trump. Donald Trump's a little <clears throat> controversial, but bottom line is I read a lot. You know, yeah. so I read this book, and I'll never forget. I set it down on the headboard because I, 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 I enjoy carpet. I made this cool headboard. Out. It's a long, long story. It's kind of <laughs> like a bookcase, but and I said, oh God. And my wife said, what's wrong? I said I'm going to have to quit my job. She goes, what? I said. <laughs> And I was making good money too. Yeah. I was running this guy's company basically. Um, and I compared it to jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. Why are you doing it? Yeah. But I, when I read that book, I knew that I was never going to be happy yeah. unless I owned my own company. And so I called Rock up. I said, hey, brother, now's the time. I'm pulling the trigger. We literally went to the lawyers and I said, hey, we want to start this company. What do we got to do? Two weeks later, we were in business. Wow. Now, I, I didn't quit my job that quickly. I gave him notice, a good notice, but actually I didn't. That, <laughs> that, that, that kind of that was pushed. But, you know, I knew I had to. Yeah. And despite all the problems and trials and tribulations of business ownership, and there's a lot, Yeah. I don't regret it. Yeah. You know, I'd do it all over again. Well, I mean, you said back in the beginning when we were talking that you love the statement, stay the course. Mm -hmm. And I think it's pretty obvious that uh, that's something that you have done, you know. And, you know, I, I would say that's the biggest thing when I'm dealing with young people coming into the trades. It's that importance of, one, being willing to look beyond where you are now. And if you have to take a pay cut to get started or, or whatever it is, being able to envision and see where you're going to be or where you can be. And there's nothing worth doing that isn't hard. I mean, that's just oh, a fact. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. And, you know, where, where you are now comes from when making those decisions to make that investment. And that's all that it is. It's no different than investing in like the stock market. When you're, if you're working at a good job like that and you're like, you know, I want to learn a trade. Um, you take that time and you take that resource and you're investing, quite frankly, you're investing in yourself. And when you make that investment in yourself, you're the one that's in control of where that comes from. You're the one that has the ability then to be like, well, I'm going to work harder and make it this. And you're not controlled by the stock market. Or Like when I started my business, I pulled any and all money investments that I had out and I put them into the, the company that I was starting. And... I remember when I had that conversation with my wife and we did that, <clears throat> I was like, I want to be in control of my future as much as possible. Um, and then the more that, that you get older and the more that you learn, uh, you realize you're not in control of anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of funny. I did the same thing. 
Uh, I was fortunate in real estate. I bought low and sold high quite a few times. Sweat equity, baby. Yeah. I had lots of it. So I'm in this really nice home. Bought it brand new. Um, very proud of it. Yeah. yeah. Tons of equity. My son was about eight. I didn't really purposely start to do this, but I, I went <coughs> to the bank and I said, hey, you know, I got I want to make sure... I'm set for when he goes to college. It's going to come around before we know it. I'd like to open up my entire home in an equity, you know, get that in place. Well, we did. My wife signed away. And she didn't realize it. I kind of thought she did lack of communication. I used the whole thing to start the company. Wow. So I put it all on the line. I mean, if I'd have lost it, I wouldn't have a house. I wouldn't have had wow. nothing. You know, that was my son's college education. And I didn't purposely go, oh, I'm going to risk this. But it was the only right. way I could do it. Right. And uh, so that's... Two years later, I said to my wife, hey, guess what, man? We're not using our money anymore. She goes, what? <laughs> I said, yeah. And I basically took all this money out of the house. And she didn't even realize it. And that was poor communication on if my you, part. If you're listening and you're married, that's not wise, <laughs> that's just not, to be clear. That's not the best thing. Yeah. But I, And so she's a little mad at me. I'm like, but it's good news, man. Yeah. <laughs> we got it all back. You know? <laughs> so, uh, Yeah. I'm going to try that with my wife. It's good news, man. Yeah. yeah. I, see how that, I see how that rolls. Well, Doug, what is, you know, one of the things that I, I like to just break it up and just ask you, like, you know, what is one tool or thing that you just cannot live without? Like that one thing that you, you have to have. I got it. All right. I don't know. It's a Milwaukee tool. Of course it is. It's, it's a Milwaukee it's tool. We don't sponsor them, but. A yeah. little handheld drill. Okay. Okay. Speed chuck on it. Right. And it's got a little, the battery's not even as big as your coffee cup. Wow. It goes on the bottom of the handle, has a little carrying case. I use that for everything. Really? Devicing out, taking stuff off, ripping stuff off of the wall. Um, just, I use it nonstop. And even though I'm the president and the owner of this 40-man company, basically, I still got all my tools in the back of my truck. And if when I need something... You know, I grab it, and that is one of my main players. I still have all the old, and I'm an old school guy, so I got a lot of DeWalt stuff. Yeah. You know, all my young guys are running Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, they, they've but. got the marketing thing figured out. And the fact of the matter is, for us, uh, I mean, in the electrical trade, they've also really become innovative. And I know all of the, the trucks at our company uh, no longer, this is, I never would have imagined this, but they no longer have Greenleys on them. For knockout sets, Milwaukee oh. makes that battery knockout yeah. set. Yeah. And it's like a no-brainer. You know, yeah. we use a lot of the, I don't know, rock knows the technical name of them. They're basically hole saws, but they got uh, incredible uh, carbide tips on them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We use the, the heck out yeah, of them. Yeah, they're great. I think it's really fascinating, you know, uh, being uh, some of the history of, of being in the trade for all the years and seeing how when I started uh we were just starting to get battery drills. Mm -hmm. I still remember stringing out cords for corded drills on the job site oh, yeah. when I very first started. And then I remember the company made a decision to make an investment in a battery powered Sawzall. Yeah. One yeah. for a company of like 35 people. And I was like, wow, it was, it was a big deal. And it was a Milwaukee of all things. Yeah. yeah. So, that it was, was, it was DeWalt for me, and my dad resisted it. Oh, he did not want to go. And you remember the big DeWalt's had a real long thing with a battery in the bottom? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got him I got him a set for Christmas, and he didn't even, he was not impressed. <laughs> but about two months later, he comes to me, and he's like, you know what? 
that's awesome. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you, you've uh, made the transition, you know, you came back, you're working for your dad and now you're, you're, you're moving on, you're, you're running your own company, you're managing people, you're investing in people and the trades. Tell me, you know, Doug, I know you personally, and I know that you're investing in different things, not only for the people within your own company, but you're investing in things for people in general. You know, one of the things that you and I have talked about is, you know, uh, providing training and things for people to have a well-rounded job experience more than just, Hey, be a good electrician, be a good operator, be a good carpenter, but be able to have some of those things that, that you've learned that add to it. You know, your ability to communicate, your ability to present to a client, your ability to handle hard situations and things like that. What is it that you see in the trades? Why are the trades matter currently in our culture and our society? The trades matter. I, I, I do a lot of reading and watch a lot of stuff. And, and this one gentleman was talking about how important, and he was passionate. He was darn near crying when he was talking about it. In today's age, with everything, uh, artificial intelligence and everything, yeah, you're still going to need buildings. You're still going to need heating systems. You're still going to, I don't care how much electric or uh, battery powered stuff you got, you're going to need electric. Yeah. And, 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 those people that are good at that are are a dying breed. Yeah, the real good dudes are all looking at retirement. <coughs> you know, the, the we have to pass that down. Yeah, we have to pass that down. We've we've got to teach uh, the younger people, and and I constantly beating that into my mechanics heads. Don't they come to me and they're like, oh, this new guy doesn't know anything. No kidding. You right. need you need to help teach them. You yeah. know, we, we have an apprenticeship program. We're doing this. We actually have a big internal uh, within our company that we teach these guys. But what you're talking about, soft skills. Yeah, that's the, correct. The, the ability to have a conversation with a general contractor. Yeah. Have a conversation with another trade without making them, you know, pissing them off. Yeah. You know, you got to work together. Um I find that we need a lot of that. Our younger, yeah. you know, our, not just our younger people. We, we got some old guys that need some tuning up too. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Uh, my my experience was age age really didn't matter, but not everybody has had the opportunities and the ability to learn some of the things that you and I have been blessed to have learned. Um, and the fact of the matter is, I, I feel like also having that that mindset and that attitude of just continual learning, like. If you ever feel like you know it and you have it all figured out, hey, that's probably the time to hang up your tool belt. That's probably the time that you need to quit everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's yep. that's dangerous, honestly. So, um, well, w- with the trades and, and some of the things that are that are going on, one of the one of the reasons that we're having this conversation is there's a statistic that I heard where uh, for every five people that are leaving the skilled trades, now this isn't just electrical, but just construction, trade work, for every five people that are leaving, there's only one re-entering the workforce. And I think that's one of the things that we've really missed it in the, the marketing and the telling of our story to those who are out there that you can really make a good living doing this work. You can really... Um, not only make a good living, but it can be very satisfying and fulfilling, you know? And so I guess 
How do you see that we change that, Doug? What, what are some of the things that we need to do as an industry? Because it's not sustainable for every five people that leave, only one's re-entering. I mean, I'm not great at math, but I know that doesn't yeah. work. Doesn't add up. So I, I see it changing. Uh, I, the last five years, I see much more uh, you know, communication with the schools, yeah. uh, trade shows. When I say trade shows, I'm talking... 12th grade and under, wow. you know, we go into the schools, we try to start that pre-apprenticeship mentality. Uh, we, we, not just we, but a lot of people have been stressing to these guys like, Hey, there's, there's other choices besides college. Yeah. Um, not the college is bad. Uh, <coughs> I made my son do four years and a business degree. Right. Um, selfishly, I suppose, cause that's, I did not have business. So, right. You can do anything if you surround yourself with the right people, but you're you going to pay anything. a price for that. Too. I'm going to I'm going to restate that because I think that's important. You can do anything if you surround yourself with the right people. Uh, that's that's a good line right there. And you can't be too cocky not to accept help. Yeah, you well, know? that's the truth. I think when we when we don't accept help and we're not willing to be honest about our weaknesses and our mistakes, um, that is the friend of failure. Yeah, I mean it's it's on it's it's at your door when that's your attitude. So talk for me a little bit. I think that you're a good person to ask this question because you've been involved in multiple apprenticeship programs. Um, if I'm a, a young person, an old person, you know, I, I want to be careful what I say about being young or old because when I was in the apprenticeship, I was 18 and there was a 40 year old man restarting his career sitting next to me. So it's not like this is just for people right out of high school. You can do it no matter what age you are, but, but it's harder. I, I joke, Duroc Electric just uh, graduated the oldest apprentice, I think, ever. <laughs> I, I, you know, he was 62 or 63 when he graduated. Are you serious? You yeah. should have an award for that. And, That's... and this guy was a master craftsman when he came wow. to me. He, he was a fin what I call finish carpenter. If you don't know what that is, you know, you can make furniture his joints and his trim work were just incredible. Wow. I mean, this guy had it going on and he came to me and he said, Doug, I'm tired of, I'm tired of it. I need a, I need a change at what? 57. Wow. And, uh, we gave him a shot. He wow. got, he got through it and now he's running work for us. And that's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. Well, and I think the moral of that statement and that story is it doesn't matter how old you are. Correct. You can make the decision to, to change direction. Yeah. Um, so for, for anybody that's listening, they might have the question. We, we've talked about it and we've said it a couple of times now. What is apprenticeship? And from your standpoint, being involved in multiple different programs, if I'm listening to you and I having this conversation and we're talking here and, and we keep saying apprenticeship and I've never heard of that before. What is apprenticeship? Can you describe that for me? Sure. In the, in the form that I know it, that I, that I think it works best is you're, you're going to school part-time. Uh, and I mean part-time, like two nights a week, three hours maybe, something like that. Okay. Um, sometimes you'll go uh, twice a, a month for all day. Okay. Whatever that is, that's your, that's your uh, theory, that's your book smarts, that's that. And then it's combined with you're working full-time. Uh, for whatever trade, electrical contractor, plumbing contractor, whatever. Yeah. Um, you're working full time. You're doing this in the evening. And and typically in Pennsylvania, the uh, the employer pays for that education. So you don't have a lot of, you don't have any money out of your pocket typically. Wow. Uh, so an apprenticeship is working. It's school. It's combined. 
And then after a certain amount of time, you know, you're deemed an electrician. And I tell everybody, well, that they don't like to hear this, but that's just where it starts. Yeah. You just did four years. Now you got to here. Now we're going to make you a really good one. We're going to yeah. refine you. We're going to show you all the different aspects of it. You're not going to see all that in school. You can't. You know, yeah. it's called life experience. So now you're an electrician. Right. Four years, man. You got your card. Show me your masters. You know how yeah. to get your. You know how to pass that. And we'll educate. We'll help you. We'll help right. you learn it. It is not easy. It is not. Um, my business partner actually holds classes after work. The guys come in if they want to. We don't make them. If you want to get your master's, Rockle, it's a 10-week course or something like that. Wow. That we do. Wow. You know, for our guys. Wow. But, um, so yeah, it's a combination of the field. It's a combination of book. So you have on-the-job training hours yep. where, where you're working alongside people doing the work, and it's a combination of them book learning as well. And in electrical, that that's kind of important because there's some theory and some things like that there. But there's different book learning for each trade. It's different. Um in an electrical, like how many hours is a is a program technically cool. to become an electrician? I believe it's like eight thousand hours. Think it's eight thousand yeah. um, uh, on the job training. On the hours. job training hours. And something I'd like to also tell you. Yeah. If you're if you don't understand apprenticeships, you're not working by yourself. Yeah. You're working with a, a mechanic. What I call I call electricians mechanics. You're working with a mechanic that knows what he's doing. A foreman. You're not stuck out there on your own. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, and I, I don't know how many hours uh, the training, the uh, theory is. Yeah, I do know that you're right. It's it's 8,000 hours, which equates roughly, you know, if you're working 40-hour weeks, that's that's about four years yep. for the program. Yep. And so it's a big investment, but it's, it's uh, something that once you have that card, I remember when I was trying to decide, you know, I was so young, I, I wanted to do this, and I wanted to do this, and I wanted to do this, and it seemed like such a large commitment four years of my life. Like, I'm like, don't know if I want to commit to that. But an old timer, he came to me and he said, he goes, well, Josh, the fact of the matter is once you have that card, no one can take it away from you. And I, I think that's the other thing that I find really uh, appeal, like no one can take it away from you. Even if the government takes it away from you, no one can take away that knowledge. No, no one can take that away. And the fact of the matter is we're, we're living in a culture and a society where with the people with those cards, the people with that knowledge, um, are becoming more and more essential and critical. I mean, you and I have seen it even over the past, you know, four to five years just in wages and how they have begun to skyrocket. I mean, if someone tells you that you can't earn good money in the trades, ask Doug how many people with a PhD in art have probably had a job for him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, okay, so that's what an apprenticeship is. Uh, And... You're making that investment in people. Um, so here we are. We're, we're working. You're, you're building. You're, you're seeing that investment. And now you're, you're later in life. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to. You're not 35. Um, but you're later in life. What is it that you would be saying to? And I think this is a great question because I know that you've said this to people. But when young people are trying to decide and make that decision, like, what is it that you said to your son when, because your son went to college, but he works at the yeah. Rock Electric. And does he work there, and this is a dangerous question to ask because I don't know the answer, but does he work there solely because you're his dad and the opportunity, or is he working there to learn the trade because he wants to do that type of work? 
he wants to do that type of work. I mean, obviously with my father, myself and him, it's three generations of electricians. So yeah. does that, is my son sort of sentimental or whatever you call that? Yeah. He, he digs that part of it. Yeah. That's not a sole driver. I, I think his sole driver was getting out with me, operating equipment, uh, seeing the, seeing the jobs go up. Yeah. Uh, Cause he's been around it all. Yeah. Know? I mean, just like my dad, you know, yeah. I, I took him out and, he he's driven by i mean he just we just got done building his own house so he he loves carpentry too he's and he's a heck of a welder to be honest with you but anyway those are good things to know oh yeah it's those and, are good and that's things like to i know. said electrical man you learn it all yeah you know you, you do concrete i saw so. a post on your guys uh, social media and if you're listening uh d rock electric on instagram and it's uh d rock electric all spelled out i think um, we'll, we'll post something in the, in the notes. Uh, I would encourage you to follow those guys. I just saw on your Instagram a few weeks ago, yeah, you guys were, maybe I'm giving away trade secrets, but you put it on the internet. So I'll talk about it. Light cages, rebar cages for light mm-hmm. bases. Mm-hmm. You guys were welding them. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. pretty, uh, yeah. actually I, I stole the idea and we're going to, we're going to give that a try, but you know, it also gives our younger guys an experience with welding. You know, yeah. Yeah. When you're welding a concrete cage like that, it doesn't have to be pretty. Yeah. But, yeah. Hey, can I get my coat, man? I'm freezing right behind you. <laughs> it, it went from hot to cold. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. And that is proof that there is not vodka in these water bottles. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to say, and I uh, maybe I'll get a chance, but... Uh, so... You got your education in electrical, and there's soft skills involved. Right. But with anything in life, uh, I feel like now this is the dad coming out in me talking to the younger generation. You, if you, it's all attitude, man. So what I mean Come by on. that is, um, I have guys that find an excuse, like if you got to move this from here to there, they're they're, they're like. But that can't be done. Yeah. I, I don't know how we're going to do that. Oh, my gosh. That's a pain, you know. And then I got guys that are like, oh, we're going to pick that up. We're going to move it over there. We're going to move on to the next job. Yeah. You just spent five minutes complaining and trying to figure out how to get from point A to point B when you could have just said, I'm going from point A to point B. Yeah. And, and, and so what I mean by that in the big picture is that, that that's life, man. Yeah. You either are going to drive yourself to be successful or you're not, yeah. you know, and, and I'm going to bring up, I just saw this the other day. Um, it, it had to do with success. And, and this guy was saying, you know, and I've said this personally, I don't celebrate wins and yeah. maybe you should, maybe you should. Uh, and I, I said this and I'm, I'm almost, I'm not ashamed of it. It's just how it is. My business partner, 50%. Yeah. We have done some crazy jobs. We have gone been 15 years. We have, we have won our first million dollar job years ago. You know, I was like, Oh my gosh, we just got a million dollar job. And then it's more and it's bigger and bigger. Yeah. We have never once taken our wives out to dinner and sat down over a dinner and went, you know, we we're, we're pretty successful. This is really, this is really coming together. Yeah. Never once did we do that. But you know, now I'm going back to the video I saw. The guy's like, I just keep moving. Yeah. And if I got a problem like this problem with our younger guy, I just, 
I just keep moving. I just keep pushing forward. I don't back up and go, oh, woe is me. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I, in the very beginning, I used to, I used to say, I used to feel like a cowboy. And, and all the regulations calmed me down a little bit. But I used to feel like there was nothing I couldn't fix. Yeah. Get out of my way. There's a brick wall and I need it. I go through it. Yeah. And that's how I, that's, I took care of problems. And I, and that is what the people and my employees, I have some that do, you know, you got to think, how am I, how am I, how am I going to win this? How am I going to get to the, how am I going to get to the next step? Yeah. You yeah. know, you're, you're, you're constantly moving and that is the key to success in anything life. Yeah. You know, just like marriage. Keep moving forward. You got to, you know, okay, you got problems. Yeah. Don't dwell on them. You know, you got to try to fix them, but you got to keep going forward. Come on, Doug. I mean, that's, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. It, it really is. I mean, you, you have to keep moving forward. I, when it, when it comes to, uh, we were, we were talking earlier, earlier this morning about uh, problem solving and, and just how it seems like that people struggle with problem solving. And one of the things that I find really interesting in that, uh, and the other thing is if you're one of those people, <clears throat> to your point of saying that it's attitude, if you're one of those people who's like, well, I'm going to figure it out. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to dwell on the, the problem. I'm going to try to come up with a solution and make it happen. Um, well, then you're going to advance oh, yeah. in whatever company you're in, if, if not eventually own it. <laughs> yeah. My, my business partner likes to use the terms, make it go away. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm not even sure if we didn't have a T-shirt that said "Make it go away." And what he means by that is like, look, man, you can ask me all the questions you want, and I can answer them. But when you really start, when you when you start leading, and when you start, um, you know, being a, a winner, you're you're figuring it out. Yeah. You know, uh, you don't need to talk to us all the time. I I have a guy uh, that comes to me. And he checks with everything. And I keep telling him, you're right. You're good. Yeah. Run with it, man. And that person just doesn't get it through their head. They, they feel like maybe some people need the uh, validity. Yeah. I don't know uh, if that's the word. Well, don't you think it's because I, I feel like in our industry, like the guys like your dad that have come before us, it's like, man, they were mavericks. They, they, they figured it out. They were willing to take risk and do things and make mistakes. And I, and I think one of the things that has happened in our industry is mistakes are no longer okay. If, if you make a mistake, like we, we have all these safety committees, we have all these things. And it's like, if you make a mistake, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, and, and I think the, one of the big things with people is, with with your business partner Rock, which great name by the way, Rock, um, but with his statement of "make it go away," I, I think we have to be saying to people, and I'm going to put you on the spot here as a CEO and an owner: Is it okay for people in your company to make mistakes? Yes. And I why is that important? That. Yeah. <clears throat> as an owner or as a boss, you have to be willing to let go. Yeah. And that that's not always easy for me. Especially yeah. as I'm transitioning through the end of my career with this company, yeah. it's it's hard to go. Okay, it's yours. It's your baby. You got to make that. And I see people making the wrong mistakes. In my opinion, yeah, and you know what opinions are like. Yeah, and you know what opinions are like. We're not going to say that. No, um, but you have to. You, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah, you can't crucify that person. 
if anything, you, you got to sit down and go, okay, this is where it went wrong. Let's talk about it, you know, and forget about it. Yeah. That's one thing I, I think that you also have to have as an owner. You have to have a forgiveness. Yeah. You have to let people make mistakes, make mistakes, and just go, hey, yeah. chalk it up to life lessons. Trust me, I've made my share. Yeah. Um, that's hard. That is hard. Uh, I mean, for me personally, you know, we're coming to the, the segment of the, the podcast where I like to talk about faith and future. And so for me, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, why are you doing this? What, why, why are you investing your, your resources into the trades, into people? And, and the fact of the matter is when you talk about forgiveness, it, it helps me uh, think about my faith. And, and forgiveness is one of those things where, uh, you know, ever since I was a little kid, the statement was forgive and forget. And, and being able to, to look at those things and be like, all right, I'm going to move on. And obviously, you don't forget certain things. Like if I had a CFO who, who I was hiring and he stole money from another company, well, I'd probably put some constraints and things in mm -hmm. place to make sure that he's going to be accountable. But the, the forgive and forget is not holding that against that person. You know, when you're, when you're, you're forgiving them and it's like, listen, we're not going to ignore the fact that Joey drove the dump truck over, or Doug drove the dump truck over the, the railroad tracks and destroyed it. But it's like, your dad forgave you. He didn't forget. Oh, he didn't forget. He didn't forget, but yet he <laughs> forgave you, which means that you're able to not hold that against that person. Yeah. And he didn't hold it against you. And I happen to know just from some of the conversations that we had earlier here, um, you have a pretty good relationship with your father. I mean, you're, you're taking care of him. You're, you're, you know, you're in later stages in life. And I think that's important for us with as managers and people, what you just said, the ability to forgive and, and let things go. You might not forget them, but not holding that against that person being like, because the other thing that happens when we do hold it against, it's like, well, he's going to do that again. And we almost put him in this self-fulfilling prophecy of they're going to make that mistake again. So, so for, for the faith and future part of it, you know, uh, and this is a little bit of a, an interesting question and everybody answers it differently because we all do this for different reasons. For me, um, my faith plays a huge part in, in why I'm investing and doing what I'm doing in this industry. And, and I'm, I'm doing it for the future. I, I believe the future of where the trades are going is an important thing because I have three children. You know, I have a daughter and two boys and I want the lights to work when I'm dead. I want the toilets to flush. I want them like we live in a culture and we live in a world that is a pretty chill life here in the United States. And um, I, I want them to be able to continue to have those benefits, which have been huge. And that's why this investment in the future, it reminds me a lot of you deciding to leave a good paying manufacturing job and make this investment over here, which has done really well for you. Uh, and so for me, the future is really important that I want to take this investment and I do see it doing really well for me. Um, meaning I see it doing well for my children. I see it doing well for the next generation. So why, why does Doug do what he does? Why, why do you invest in the way that you are in your people? Why are you investing in the future? What, what is it that makes you get up in the morning? Okay. I wasn't really prepared for this, but I'll tell you. What is my legacy, maybe? There you what go. What is it? Uh, it's not money. 
it, it's not, uh, <laughs> I have a very large gun collection. <laughs> but um, but it, it's honestly the fact that I've hel- I'm, I'm helping for 40, 40 families. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm helping them get paychecks. I'm constantly trying to raise them up. It might, I, I literally, we're going around giving Christmas, Christmas bonuses right now, and, and some of them are pretty large, and, and I've gotten some shock. We're like, what? You know, and I want to help them. I, I want to, mm-hmm. uh, you can do so much for a person, like, and they might not, we have a fantastic retirement pl- plan, but that doesn't mean a lot to my younger guys. You know? Right. What, what means a lot is cash. So I thought this year we're going to have to make sure to get some cash, and, and we've been going out of our way to do that. But what, what drives me is I really am proud of, of the apprenticeship program. I'm proud of rate, taking these guys yeah. that maybe never even held a hammer in their hand yeah. And turning them into electricians. Yeah. Um, I'm proud of the education I can share with them. Um, it's teaching them, you know. And then as they get older, I thought about writing a book about all my dugisms, you know, um, about life. It's, yeah. It's, it's not only about learning the trade. It's about living good. Yeah. And, and you know, and it's about life, man. Yeah. Um, and I like to think. I've had guys come in, and I'm, I'm literally, I literally feel like a, a psychiatrist. You know, they're talking about the relationships, and and I'm giving them my advice. Yeah. You know, my son thinks that's funny, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm full of it. Yeah, I'm full of it. I like that. I'm full of it. Well, um, as we are coming to a close, one we just really appreciate uh, those of you who are listening again to the line. Um, and again, I, I just want to challenge you. Uh, step up to the line with us. The line is saying, hey, this this miseducation, this not communicating what our industry is about and what it is that you can do, this isn't someone else's problem. This is our problem. And we are we are stepping up to the line. Doug and I are stepping up to the line here today, and that's the name of the podcast. But the fact of the matter is we all need to step up to the line. And so I challenge you today that you need to step up to the line with us. If you believe these things, if you think these things are important, if you're a journeyman or you're a master electrician or you're a business owner and you're not investing in the next generation, learning about what it is to get into the trades, to be a well-rounded worker, not showing them the fact of, of where they can go in their life, then you're not stepping up to the line and you need to. The fact of the matter is the future is coming And are you going to help make it a better future or are you going to just hoard all of the money that you've been making and keep it to yourself and not invest in that next generation? Because you're going to be remembered for one thing or the other. And I know what I want to be remembered for and I know what Doug wants to be remembered for. So I would challenge you, step up to the line with us, make a difference and lift the view of the skilled trades. So we thank you for listening with us here today and, uh, We'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, Doug.